Welcome to Life Center Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and our church, visit lifecenternyc.com. Bless the Lord. It's good to be here. God is good all the time. Thank you. I want to talk to you this morning about <clears throat> overcoming hindrances to walking and healing and divine health. Um, <clears throat> some of you may be aware, I was walking through some stuff, and uh, it, it really focused my attention. And uh, I'm glad to report that... Uh, <clears throat> It was to the doctor just last week. They ran blood tests, and all of my blood levels, everything is just normal. Uh, everything that was... And I, I, I want to give glory to God because, you know, the enemy throws a lot of stuff at you, but it's, it's God's, you know, many plans are in a man's heart. It's God's purpose for that man that will stand. And, uh, you know, just like none of us are exempt. Uh, even Jesus was tested. Right? It says he, uh, you know, he was baptized by John. The spirit, the spirit of the Lord came down upon him and said, this is my, 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 this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And then he says the Holy Spirit took him out into the, the desert where he fasted for 40 days. And at the end of that time, he was tempted of the, of the enemy. And uh, Jesus responded with the word. And uh, I, I feel like the Lord was saying to me, what are you going to do about this situation? Are you going to respond with the word of God or are you going to, you know, just accept it? <clears throat> and, uh, and we all have that, that choice. We have a choice with how we deal with things that come our way. Are we going to respond to the situations that come and try us according to the word or are we going to respond in a different way? It's, it's kinda, it's, I really do think it's binary. You can either respond the way God wants you to respond, or you respond some other way, which is not the way God wants you to respond. And uh, you fill in the blank. <clears throat> so <clears throat> turn with me to Mark chapter 11. A couple of weeks ago, I, I, I shared on that God wants us to walk in health. And uh, last week, Richie shared similarly, and we've kind of come to a conclusion you know, based on a number of scriptures, some of them, Isaiah 53, another one in 1 Peter 2.24, tells us that Jesus bore our sins, our transgressions, and iniquities on his body to heal our bodies. And just as much as he died to forgive us of our sins, he also died so that we would be delivered from the powers of the enemy and delivered from any, and, and healed of sicknesses and diseases. Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, all my soul, who forgives all my iniquities and heals all my diseases. Okay, so now we, we establish that as truth, and we want to walk in that, and that establishes our theology. This is what we believe about God. Okay? But what happens... When your theology doesn't match your experience, do you change your theology? Or do you say, I have to change my experience? 
Think about that. Do you change your theology to match your experience, or do you change your experience to match your theology? I want to change my experience. If I'm experiencing sickness, I want to walk in health, because I know he's paid for that. If you have a smartphone, and you only use it to make telephone calls, well, that's good. It works. If you're saved and forgiveness of sins and salvation and you're going to heaven is all that you want, well, that's good. It's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. But there's so much more. Now, if you say, you know, you say to your friend, I sent you a text. Why don't you respond to me? He says, well, I only use my phone to make phone calls. Well, then you're not using all that's available to you. If you say, I sent you an email, well, I, I don't have a computer at home, I, I couldn't open, I don't know how to open my emails. You have a phone in your hand. You can access it. So there's so many things available to you, but if you only use a part of it, then you're just not experiencing all of it. I believe it's the same way with salvation. There's so much that God has made for us. And you could choose to access a part He's forgiven my sins. I'm born again. I'm going to heaven. And that's good. Praise the Lord. That's really good. But there's so much more in this life and in life to come, everlasting life, right? There's so much more. So we want to, how many want to walk into fullness here now? Come on. I do. And when I'm not walking in it, I don't say, oh, God, I guess it's not your will. I'm saying, all right, maybe there's something about the operating system that I'm not fully comprehending. You know, sometimes I have to ask my kids to help me with some things because they're more tech savvy than I am. And, uh, but I want to learn and I want to become savvy. And I want to be Bible savvy. I want to be Jesus savvy. I want to know, I want to walk in kingdom realms with him together. So this is what I want to talk to you about today. All right. <clears throat> we want to we we step into all that God has for us. Turn with me to Mark 11. Beginning of verse 22. I'm reading from the ESV. <clears throat> Context is Jesus takes uh, Peter and John, or maybe it's Peter, James and John, uh, up to the mount. Uh, where they in, encounter Moses and Elijah in a vision, and then the, the cloud of God's glory appears and <clears throat> over them, and the Father speaks, and it says, this is my son, hear ye him. So they have an amazing God encounter. And so they are kind of overwhelmed by that, and then they make their way down from the mountain, and that's the context. So Jesus had left the rest of the disciples uh, you know, I guess at the foot of the mountain or wherever. And then he's coming down. It says, in Jesus, verse, Mark 11, verse 22 says, And Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Sometimes we need to just pause there. Like, we're, our faith is in God. Our faith is not in our ability. Our faith is not in our faith. Our faith is not in the prayer of the, 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 the preacher. Our faith is in God. Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, 
Now, as, as, as you read these things, you've got to pause because Jesus is giving spiritual laws. You know, there's a law of faith. There's a law of faith. You know, there's a law of gravity. And whether you believe in the law of gravity or not, it's still a law. It's a constant. It doesn't change. So you can say, I don't believe in gravity. You're going to experience gravity. <laughs> you, you know, if you step off a cliff, you're going to fall. It's actually good that we have gravity because, because we have gravity. We can kind of walk down the steps. We can sit in our seats. Otherwise, we'd be just like floating around. But God gave us gravity to bless us so that we could, uh, we could walk. We could interact. We wouldn't just be like, whoa. Um, but so you have, to, you have to understand there's a law of faith. And so as you read Scripture, how do you apply the laws of faith? Well, it says, truly I say to you, whoever says to the mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, Forgive. I'm going to say it again. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. This is so foundational. <clears throat> if you have anything against anyone, forgive, so that your Father in heaven also may forgive you your trespasses. One of the, one of the first hindrances to receiving healing is failing to forgive. You know, freely we've been forgiven, we must freely forgive. We walk in grace and mercy. There's only one judge, he's in heaven. We're not the judge. We don't have any right to judge. We only have to say, God, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Whether you think they know or not, you forgive them. You don't know. God knows more than you know. So we, so we walk in forgiveness continually. <clears throat> but let's look at some of the other things. So we need to speak because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And uh, salvation comes when we believe in our hearts that, that Christ died, shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins, and he rose again the third day. When we believe it in our hearts and confess it with our mouth, uh, we're saved. Believe in your heart. With the, with the heart the man believes, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So speaking is important. It's part of the laws of faith. But it says, he says, truly I say to you, whoever says to the mountain, be taken up in, and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. So it's important that we not doubt. And that, so doubt is one of the other things. It's one of the things that I want to hit on today. Um, see, God has already provided healing for us. It's not a matter of God, you know, giving us healing. He's actually provided. Healing is it's a matter of reaching out by faith and receiving, receiving what's already provided. If someone has, if you've bought a smartphone you can get text messages. You don't have to just make phone calls. Uh, you just got to learn how to operate the operating system. You can receive your emails. You don't, you, it's not just for making phone calls. You can, all these things are available because you have a, a smartphone, right? So the same way in salvation, 
health and healing are provided for us, it's not just the forgiveness of sins, which is great, but we can get all of it. So without exception, all the people that I've studied who have walked in the power of God being manifested in their lives and in the lives of the people they pray for, etc., they have this faith. They, they're convinced that healing has been provided. When it, when it comes to ministering healing, it's not usually that people don't have faith. Some don't, but most do. I mean, if you're here, you have faith, right? You, it, or if someone brought you, you don't know why you're here. God's going to release faith to you today. <laughs> However, the issue is that Often we have unbelief present. Faith and unbelief can exist in the same place. When I say unbelief, it could be doubt. You know, you believe, but there's doubt. Let, let's, look at, let's look a little further. Let's look at Mark chapter 9. I want to unpack this. Mark chapter 9, beginning of verse 14. I'm going to read from the New King James. I'm going to read verses 14 to 29. And just for your reference, in a minute, I'm going to go to Matthew 17, 19, just so you can get ready. Get set. <laughs> Thank you. And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. And immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought to you my son who has a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down and it foams at the mouth. He gnashes his teeth and he becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. Let's just pause there. How do you think? Jesus' response, does he say, well, you know, it's not always, you know, God's timing or it's not the will of God or, or something else? Does he kind of placate and humor them and just say, okay, be patient? <clears throat> Let's look. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it on a kid not. And Jesus answered and said, oh, faithless generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Uh, he doesn't sound happy. And he says, bring him to me. Then they brought him to Jesus. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. Probably the same thing happened when he brought him to his disciples. You know, because the disciples we read in earlier chapters, they were sent out two by two, and it says, you're not going to believe, and they came back and they reported, even the spirits are subject to us, and like, we saw healings, we saw all this stuff. So they were, they were not without faith, but they were dealing with something that maybe they hadn't dealt with before. And so when, they, when the person came to, when they brought this, person of Jesus, it says immediately the spirit convulsed him and he fell on the ground. He wallowed, foaming at the mouth. Probably the same thing happened with the disciples. Maybe the disciples started to like, whoa, 
I haven't seen this before. And they started, maybe, maybe they're counseling with uh, not what Jesus said. So Jesus said, hmm. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, well, from childhood. And often he's thrown him into both the fire and into the water to destroy him. And then the father says, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said, if I can do anything. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. The next verse 24 is probably one of the most honest (laughs) scriptures. This is, you know, it's kind of like all of us. Immediately the father child cried out and said, with tears, with tears, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Here is a truth. We believe, but there's unbelief present. Unbelief can negate faith. Let's look at this further. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying, To a deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and then it came out. And he became as one dead, so that those around said, He's dead. (laughs) Didn't sound like a glory report. Thank God Jesus is there. Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him, and he arose as if he arose from the dead. Come on. He is the God of the resurrection. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could not we cast it out? How many have asked, how come when I prayed, the person didn't get healed? Only a couple of us. All right. God bless the rest of you. You don't need this sermon. Preaching to myself. So he said, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Let's let's go over to Matthew 17, verse 19, because Matthew gives a parallel account. It's the same account, but he gives a little different perspective, and I think it helps to illuminate what's going on. So let's look at Matthew 17, verse 19. Same story, but told from Matthew's perspective. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? Verse 20, so Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. Whoa, because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed. Mustard seed is one of the smallest seeds. I'm trying to get my, can you see through this? <laughs> I can see a little bit, but that's like, that's probably bigger than a mustard seed. So Jesus has given an analogy. You don't need a lot of faith. You only need a mustard seed worth of faith. But if you have faith as a mustard seed, you'll say to the mountain, move from here to there and it will. And nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now this, this, I feel like this trips up some people. What is Jesus addressing when he says this kind doesn't come out, this go out except by prayer and fasting? Is he addressing the demon that's convulsing them? Or is he addressing their unbelief? Let 
Verse 20 says, he said to them, it's because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say it, if you had the faith of a mustard seed, you'd say to the mountain, move from here to there, and it would be, and nothing would be impossible. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. I want to say to you that you need to, we need to interpret Scripture by Scripture. We need to take the whole counsel of God. My Bible says that <clears throat> in the name of Jesus, we're going to cast out devils. It says that every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It says that every principality, power, might, and dominion has been made subject to the name of Jesus. I don't think he's talking about the demon spirit based on the full counsel of God. I think he's talking about their unbelief. I think they wouldn't be able to operate in the level of faith to cast this out except they start to deal with their unbelief. This kind you won't be able to cast out unless you get rid of your unbelief. How do you get rid of unbelief? Prayer and fasting. Prayer is communion with God. It's conversing with Him. It's spending time in His presence. It's getting the mind of Christ. It's sitting with your Bible, reading the Word, praying it back to Him, engaging with Him. Why is fasting important? How many hate fasting? Raise your hand. Me too. <laughs> but what is it when I, when I say how many hate it? What, is it? what am I admitting? That my flesh screams when I fast. I, I get a headache. I lose my patience easy. I'm irritable. And I just want to eat. <laughs> But where is that coming from? It's my flesh telling me, hey, hold on here. Feed me. Feed me, Seymour. It's from Little Shop of Horrors years ago. Um, but here's the thing. Fasting teaches you to put the spirit man first. It says, I'm not going to be led by the desires or the cravings of my natural carnal man. But I want to be led by the spirit of God. And it's a discipline. And your flesh screams because it doesn't want to be disciplined. How many like discipline? Honestly, how many like to be disciplined? Even think back when you were children. Did you like being disciplined? No. The, the Bible says discipline doesn't seem pleasant for the moment, but it works out righteousness in you. And if, 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 if your earthly parents disciplined you and it was for your good, how much more does your heavenly father, you know, bring us into discipline or be disciples, right? Being disciplined by the Lord is being his disciple. We allow him to speak into our lives, to remove the things that shouldn't be there. And one of the things that one of the, one of the ways is through fasting. The only way you're going to start allowing the Holy Spirit to be dominant in your life is by allowing the Spirit of God to rule. Turn with me to Romans chapter eight, beginning of verse five. 
For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Where, where do you set your mind? What, what do you fill your mind with? Do you need to do a reset? For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be carnally minded means to live in the sense realm, to live in what I see, what I hear, what I taste, what I touch. To be spiritually minded is to live your life according to the Word of God, that the Word of God is the dominant force in your life. You're led by the Spirit as He illuminates the Word of God to you. Some of you are led by a Spirit. It's not always the Spirit of God. Some of you say, I don't feel this, or I didn't feel God telling me that. You know, you, if you're not grounded in the Word, then it's just your feelings. You have to be so rooted and grounded in the Word of God that you're spiritually minded, not just how you feel. For to be carnally minded, to be led by the sense realm, is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Why? Because. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God. Wow. Can I read that again? Sure, go ahead. Because the carnal... The carnal mind is enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can it be. That's why you need to fast. Because you crucify the carnal nature, which says, no, 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 no. I, I hate fasting. I get a headache. I, I get hungry. <laughs> so that those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Jesus wants us to overcome unbelief. Unbelief <clears throat> unbelief and faith can occupy the same space. The Father said, I believe, help my unbelief. And Jesus in his mercy just cast, cast it out. He didn't say, what are you talking about? That can't occupy. That doesn't even make sense what you say. He didn't answer him like that. He recognized the Father cried out, and he was, telling, he was speaking from a, a place of truth. He had faith, but... He was dealing with unbelief because he would see this and he, didn't, and he was double-minded. Turn with me to James chapter 1, beginning of verse 2, New King James Version. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. How many counted joy when you fall into various trials? Two of you. I'm with, I'm with the rest. I, I typically don't, but, <laughs> but God tells us to, so I will. Because that's how I want to live my life. If he says it, I want to do it. If he says it, I want to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to be a hearer only. I want to be a doer. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now, if anyone lacks wisdom... 
Let him ask of God who gives to all liberally, and he doesn't withhold or without reproach. And it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. So James is, James is recognizing something here, that you can ask in faith but be full of doubt. It's occupying the same place. Let him ask in faith without doubting. But here's the problem. He who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind, meaning that every input, every doctor's report, every negative thing that comes, you're like, oh, maybe it's this. Oh, maybe it's that. I'm, but God, you said this. But the doctor told me this. And you're tossed. Let that man suppose that he will receive, let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Now, the context, you're asking for wisdom, but I, this is the truth. Let not, let not that man suppose that he will receive healing. Let that man suppose that he will receive a financial breakthrough. I mean, it's anything, anything. When, you, when we doubt. Let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the why, because he's double-minded and unstable in all his ways. All right. God wants to deliver us from doubt, which brings double-mindedness. Unbelief brings double-mindedness. You see, faith is canceled out. It's negated. It's counterbalanced by unbelief or doubt. <coughs> For this reason, the reason is that we haven't been spending time in the presence of God. That's what the prayer and fasting is, spending time with the Lord. We're so accustomed to the way the world thinks. We think like it. You know, sometimes people start dealing with a health issue. It's, you know, well, my mother had it, my grandfather had it, and, you know, well, I guess it's hereditary. And we start accepting these things. We, we, we can't. We have to resist. The Bible says Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. If God has provided healing from, for us, and we've read it, by his stripes we were healed. Two, were healed 2,000 years ago. <clears throat> and then our carnal mind starts coming and telling us things. You have an obligation to resist it. If, if the devil starts coming to you and tempting you in other type of sins, what are we supposed to do? Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It, we kind of make exceptions for sickness. Well, let me just stay in bed. You're supposed to resist it. We start to consider, ponder, think about the natural things, and that unbelief negates our faith. It says that Abraham didn't even consider. It says he considered not the deadness of his own body or the deadness of Sarah's womb, but he was... <coughs> He believed God, that he would have a son when everything in the natural said, your time's passed. You're an old man. She's an old lady. Like, come on. It's not going to happen. Yet, it says he, he, he considered not his own body. He didn't stop to think about it. <clears throat> we need to not consider it because unbelief cancels faith. Victory in the Christian in the Christian life, isn't necessarily having a huge amount of faith. So all you need is a mustard seed that isn't canceled by unbelief. 
You need to unhook from unbelief. That, that is, you need to pull, pull away in the opposite direction and let your mustard seed of faith pull you to victory. Some folks think that the only reason people aren't healed is because they don't have any faith. That, that's insulting. Everybody in this room has a measure of faith. You wouldn't be in this room without a measure of faith. You know, and when we're dealing with stuff, it's not you don't have enough faith. There's other things going on. And I postulate that one of them is unbelief. We need to starve our unbelief. <clears throat> Get to where we're so single-minded about the Lord and his word that your mustard seed of faith will be enough to accomplish anything you need. Like a leech or fungus, unbelief has to be fed to be nourished. Let me say that again. Like a leaf, leech or a fungus, unbelief has to be fed to be nourished. You need to separate yourself from the things that bring unbelief. Fasting and praying, focusing your attention on the Lord can do great damage to your unbelief. How many want to do damage to your unbelief? Fasting and praying, focusing on the Word of God. Let the Word of God not depart. You see, the Bible says that it's the Word of God is nourishment to our flesh and strength to our bones. And if we meditate in it day and night. He said to Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you will meditate or mutter it day and night. So day and night is synonymous for what? It's a, it's a, it's a term of art. But it means what? It means all the time. Not just in the day, but day and night. It means this is what we need to be constantly feeding ourselves with. Fasting and prayer doesn't cause God to give you more power. It just causes the faith that you have to work so much better because you're diminishing the unbelief that's pulling you in the opposite direction. Fasting and prayer doesn't give you more power. God's already done it. But it diminishes the unbelief that's pulling you in the opposite direction. Now, that's good news. Once you believe the truth that God wants you well, then all you have to do is starve unbelief until your faith starts producing the desired results. Okay, turn with me to Mark 4. Verse 21. I'm asking the worship team to come up. Mark 4, 21. I'm reading from the ESV. It says, and Jesus said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except that it will to be, except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to the light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. I want to say it again. I really want you to focus on this. Jesus said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and still more will be added to you. For one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Pay attention. What are you spending your time, 
with. Take an inventory of your day and what are you taking in constantly? Pre-COVID, I was like a news junkie. I would just constantly, you know, so much on like TV or whatever, I just couldn't watch. But I used to feel like, well, the news is just current events, but it's just so much negativity. Like, there's nothing good. There's always whatever sensational. <clears throat> and God had to wean me off of that because your your feed. You you. What do you spend your time feeding yourself on? Like it might not necessarily be sinful. Like, there's nothing wrong with it, but is it causing you to grow? Is it causing faith to arise? Is it doing damage to any unbelief in your life? Ask the question. Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. So you hear a sermon on healing, faith, that by his stripes we were healed 2,000 years ago. What are you going to do with it? To the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. You could just be a hearer and say, yeah, that's really good. Amen, Pastor Bill. Preach it. But then you get a headache and you just say, oh, where's the aspirin? Where's the Tylenol? Where's the ibuprofen? Rather than saying, I resist this in the name of Jesus. By his stripes, I'm healed. And, you know, you may have to constantly do some battle. And listen, you know, God will walk you through the, the steps. David, before he faced Goliath, the Bible tells us he faced the bear. And then he faced the lion. And his faith was built so that when he had to go up against Goliath, he had a testimony. And he could say to the king, I, I can't fight with your armor, you know, and <laughs> I haven't tested these. What did he test? What is a test? The test is his testimony. So he, he got five smooth stones and his slingshot. And he said, I've proven these. And God prepared him step by step. You know, you got to start dealing with the headache. Don't wait till you get third stage lymphoma, and I'm going to believe God. Now, believe God for the little things all along. Start building your faith and having a testimony. Stand on the word of God now. Don't wait for the crisis. Cultivate this. Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use it, it'll be measured to you. Resist the devil, and he will submit to God. First of all, it's very important that you submit to God. Don't skip that part. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Apply it in healing. Apply it in every area of your life, but apply it there too. Be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. All right, I'm going to close with, remember, pay attention to what you hear. I'm going to close with Matthew 14, beginning of verse 22. We're talking about, Unbelief occupying the same space as faith. <clears throat> the context is Jesus is ministering to the multitude. He tells his disciples, you know what? You guys go on ahead of me to the other side. Get in the boat. Go. I'll meet you there. He doesn't tell them how he's going to get there. And so they're out rowing the boat. And it says the wind and the waves were against them. Well, let's go to Matthew 14, verse 22. Immediately Jesus made... His disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitude away. 
And when he had sent the multitude away, he went on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, and it's tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. And they said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. They were terrified. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them and said, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus, who is the word made flesh, said, come. The word was come. The Holy Spirit spoke through Jesus and said, come. And so Peter, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. He heard the word come. When Peter had come down to the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. He was walking on the water. He had faith to walk on the water at the word. And here's the big, the but. Everyone say but. You don't want these butts in your life. You got to butt out. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, to be carnally minded is death. Thank you, Ted. Can anybody else join with me here? <laughs> to be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be spiritually minded is to align with what the Word of God says. But when Peter saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. Where was he getting his information? From the carnal realm. What you can see, what you can hear, what you can taste, what you can touch. He was getting his information from the, the natural carnal realm. He had a word. The word was come. And he was walking on water. But all of a sudden, he started taking information in from a different source. Unbelief doesn't come by itself. It comes in the carnal realm. It'll come by a word spoken. It'll come by a circumstance. This was an outward circumstance. The wind was boisterous. And then fear came. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand, and he caught him and said, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Faith and doubt were occupying the same space. We need to believe and not doubt. first step in dealing with a problem is to identify the problem. If someone's an alcoholic, before you can help them, they have to admit they're an alcoholic. <clears throat> if, you wanna, if, you're, if you have an issue, you've got you to find a problem and address the problem. If you don't know what the problem is, you're, you're going to be, you're all over the place. Years ago, I had an orphan spirit. I didn't know it. I was in denial. People tell me, would tell me, Bill, you're, you're an orphan. You don't know God as your father. I would tell them, you're crazy. 
I preach that stuff. I teach it. We don't know what we don't know sometimes. God wants you well. God wants you whole. Let's, let's doubt our doubts. Let's start to recognize that if we're not seeing the fullness, that there's an issue. The issue is not God. The issue is not we better change our theology to say, well, it didn't happen, so maybe God doesn't heal all the time, or that was for the apostles, or like you, you make peace with things that aren't in the word of God instead of making war with them. God wants us to war in the spirit against everything that is contrary to the word of God. Pulling down every thought captive. Taking captive every thought. Pulling down everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I'm giving you the knowledge of what he's done for us. And everything that exalts itself against the fact that he's provided healing for you needs to be pulled down. We need to make war with it. Come on. God's bringing this into glorious places. This is good news, God. This is good news. I'm so excited for what the Lord's about to do because he's equipping us to walk not only in healing, but to give it away. To give it away. Come on. Stand with me. Father, I thank you that you exalt your word even above your name. That your word is true no matter what we feel, see, sense. We declare the word of God is true. Let God be true and every man a liar. The word is true. Jesus was the word made flesh. His desire is to you to walk in the fullness of what he's provided to you without doubting. But he who doubts is like a wave of the sea tossed to and fro. We won't receive anything. So let's set our gaze. Let's set our focus. Let's set everything we have on him. In Jesus' name, let's worship him. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can also follow us on Instagram at LifeCenterNYC or YouTube at LifeCenterChurchNYC.